your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to Tuesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 if you want to get in here. The talk and text line. We've got a couple of guests coming on today. In about 10 minutes, U.S. Congressman Ron Kind going to kind of preview what he's going to do tomorrow in quote-unquote lacrosse with presidential nominee Joe Biden having a bit of a virtual roundtable is what we're calling it because obviously we can't be out and about. Uh, They're going to talk about rural issues in lacrosse. That's going to be at 10 a.m. tomorrow. And anyone can can log in and, and check it out. I think Caitlin is going to cover it. For us, for Wisdom News, uh, Ron Kind also introduced uh, what's being called the Milk Act. Always clever with the acronyms. Uh, farmers, it's called the Farmers Milk and Low Income Kitchens Act. Uh, we can ask him about that later in the show. I'm going to talk with Gas Buddy Petroleum Analyst Patrick DeHaan about gasoline, <laughs> of course. Uh, gas goes up like 10 cents every day now, right? Like, when's it going to stop? We'll talk about that. Uh, the the war over oil that Russia and Saudi Arabia had just had and and what that meant and means for our gas prices and uh, some talking points that Donald Trump had made recently and how he wants uh, gas prices to go up, which seems a little bit ludicrous to me. Ludacris the rapper. Every time I say Ludacris, I think the rapper. But yeah, like a couple of weeks ago, Donald Trump's like, yeah, we, it's good to, good to see gas prices going up again. And we're like, what? No. But uh, we'll talk to gas buddy, petroleum analyst Patrick DeHaan a little bit about that. I was talking to my friend earlier today about opening up, right? Uh, there's a bar in Minnesota that's trying to open up. Uh, it's, a, it's a bunch of bars. A chain of bars, I guess there were six. There's six. It's called Shady's. That kind of a shady name for a bar, Shady's. Maybe it's a last name. Um, but a judge there had, uh, as as they were about to open up, a judge uh, issued a restraining order blocking their ability to open up, and the bars would have been fined twenty five thousand dollars for each opening. Uh, so they they didn't they didn't allow the uh, bar in Minnesota to open. Bars still closed in Minnesota for the time being. Kind of slowly reopening there. Um, the guy, the guy uh, that owns the bar said, our attorneys have advised us not to open the doors uh, as, as a crowd of between two and 300 people outside one of the bars booed. <laughs> um, the, guy, the guy started a GoFundMe and as of yesterday had, had raised $206,000 and he was going to use that for legal fees to open the bar um, at, this, at this what rally or whatever to open the bar the other, uh, yesterday. Workers were walking around selling T-shirts and shaking hands with a bunch of people. And uh, the the report from the Star Tribune said, few masks and little social distancing among the crowd at uh, on Railroad Avenue of uh, 85 miles northwest of the Twin Cities. So, but talking to my friend about opening up, and it was, uh, we, we, we each want to play. We, we each are kind of trying to start volleyball leagues. And people start have started to ask him. His is a little bit more organized than mine at this point. And he's a better volleyball player. But people started to ask him, hey, are you going to have your leagues? And he was kind of asking me. And I was like, well, what's changed in the last 
couple of weeks with the virus that we are opening up besides a Supreme Court ruling that our health department can't rule that we shouldn't be opening up. I mean, nothing's nothing's changed beyond that. Uh, we've we've become more or less informed about the virus, but in terms of getting it or not getting it, like it's that's all the same. It's just a matter of either a matter of time getting a vaccine or getting some treatment or getting the virus and, and hoping for the best that your body can fight it off. And, you know, for a majority of people, that's true. But uh, how many people have health insurance that they don't really have to think about and be like, yeah, if I get the virus, I get the virus and I'm just going to go to the hospital if I have to. And it'll be no big deal because I have health insurance. How many people are in that situation? Um, Also, uh, another uh, another thing to talk about with uh, Congressman Ron Kine. But all right, we're going to take a break. I see he's calling in. We're going to we're going to hit the news quick here and we'll be back. With Ron Kind, right here on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. U.S. Congressman Ron Kind representing our third third congressional district. I was I was got a double take. Is that right? It's the third district, Ron. It is the third district, okay. and thanks for having me on, Rick. I yeah. hope everyone is staying safe and healthy out there. Yeah, what, just right off the bat, what did you think uh, of the Supreme Court ruling that opened back, opened Wisconsin back up uh, a little bit, a little bit uh, strange uh, the way that all that went down? Well, what I was hoping was that the political leadership in the state, now the governor along with the Republican leaders, would get together to put forward a plan that people can rely upon that can gradually reopen our state's economy, but do it in a safe and healthy manner. And right now, there's no guidance out there. It's just the wild, wild west. My phone's been ringing off the hook from families to businesses alike saying, what do we do now? What's the responsible thing to do? And so if the Republicans were moving forward to shoot down with the governor's plan, they at least needed to offer a plan B, and they don't have one. And so right now it's pretty much chaos running things. And I just fear that we could see a snapback with this virus, which wouldn't be good. And then it just delays the reopening uh, even further. Uh, Tomorrow you're having a, a virtual roundtable with Joe Biden. Uh, you got the, now what? I, from what I've read, it says you're going to talk about rural issues in Lacrosse, and that's going to happen at 10 a.m. It says Joe's going to do this from his home in Delaware. So are you doing this from your home in Lacrosse? Yeah, I, you know it's a virtual town hall meeting, and unfortunately, with the social distancing, as much as Joe Biden wants to be out pressing the flesh and meeting with people, uh, it's just not responsible. And so the next best thing. And we're probably going to see a lot of the virtual campaigning during the season is the virtual town hall. And we're going to talk about rural economic development issues, what type of investments we need to be making in uh, uh, family farmers and in rural communities. Uh, but more importantly, the broader vision of rebuilding America as we come out of this uh, global pandemic and what steps we ought to be working on together to make America stronger and more resilient and address the economic inequities that are very apparent as we go through all this. And Joe's got a plan uh, to do that. He's got a vision of how we can emerge stronger, better, more competitive than ever before. And it's exactly what our country needs right now. Now, you guys just just in, uh, passed the HEROES Act in Congress. Uh, hard to say if it, it will pass in the Senate. But, uh, you know, what, what would you say were the biggest things that, that you, you liked from the HEROES Act and maybe the things that you didn't like that, that passed? Well, first of all, we did pass the HEROES Act out of the House Friday as a, uh, a point of negotiation. Obviously, the Senate's not going to take up the same package, the White House neither. But we need to start this conversation now because more help is needed. 
starting with state and local government budgets that have plummeted because of the economic coma, if they have to start canceling essential programs and services, that would really be detrimental to our state's economy. So they're going to need some help in the short term to pay for their firefighters and police officers and sheriff's departments and everything else that they're expected to do that we take for granted. And right now, a $900 million shortfall for the state budget alone. So we need some short-term help there. Um, and then we made some fixes to the Paycheck Protection Program for small businesses, giving them more flexibility in order to use the money. Uh, and I think that was important, listening to them and the feedback they were giving us. Plus uh, some more stimulus rebate help for families, because clearly we're not going to be uh, bouncing back quickly. And people still need to pay for food and their rent and their mortgages and everything else. So, again, a- another interim measure to build that bridge for when it is safe to completely open the economy up again. Uh, and it's not going to be uh, anytime soon, uh, unfortunately, because the virus is still around, highly contagious, still very dangerous. And until we develop a long-term vaccine to inoculate people, we've got to do this very smartly and in response to what people need. Yeah, the, the $1,200 check that, that most of us or some of us, I'm not even sure, I didn't receive a $1,200 check, uh, whatever, from a month ago, I, I started to do it on irs.gov, and then I just kind of got sidetracked trying to input all my info. But anyway, so Grant, who was Grant Bills, who was on the show with us uh, the last couple of weeks, he's a college student. He his parents claim him, I think, when they do their taxes. So he falls into this like loophole where he doesn't get a stimulus check, a twelve hundred dollar check. Where you know, if between me and Grant, I think Grant would be would probably need it more than I, because my job hasn't, hasn't, hasn't done, nothing's changed with my job. So I don't know. Is there, is there a, a, a change here where, where people like Grant college kids who are claimed by their parents that are over that, that age limit? I think, I can't remember what the age limit is. If you're over what, 17 or something, you don't get a $1,200 check. Right. Yeah. All that was fixed in the heroes act. Obviously there were anomalies in the first rebate check. Uh, those kids that were claimed on their parents as dependents, didn't qualify. We're fixing it under the HEROES Act. Along with those young adults, 17, 18-year-olds, for whatever reason, didn't qualify either the, the, the first go-around. We fixed that in the HEROES Act. Because, boy, they really do need help right now. Summer jobs have dried up because of the uh, social distancing and the lack of hiring. And so if any category really needs some additional help, it's them. And that was all fixed in the HEROES Act on Friday. Hopefully it's one of those provisions that will be kept in a final agreement with the Senate and, and with the president. Um, I don't know if it's this simple, but to, to it, and it, we're, we're months into this thing, but the, I've heard talk of, of doing a stimulus check where it's like two grand a month. And then you do like a rent mortgage freeze. And, you know, so like small businesses that have to pay, you know, and if, if we're giving everybody two grand a month, then somebody that owns a small business doesn't have to worry about his workers, you know, getting by two grand a month is certainly better than 1200 a month. Uh, which is the equivalent of minimum wage, you know, at 40 hours for, for a month. Um, I, I don't know. Do you guys talk about that? Why why isn't that ever just like uh, something like that get passed in the House? Well, you know, listen, there's two things here. Gradually reopening the businesses one step, doing it safely so the workers are protected, so customers are protected when they go out. But there also has to be a demand for the product, too. And if people are home, they haven't been working, they don't have any money, you know, this economy is not going to bounce back that quickly because of lack of, purchasing power. And when two-thirds of the U.S. economy is consumer-driven, and you've got a huge drop in purchasing power, it's just going to prolong the economic suffering. And that's why we, in the HEROES Act, uh, we're doing another round of rebate checks, 
make sure that people did have disposable income to pay for rent and food and other items that they might need, including supporting small businesses uh, in their community. Otherwise, it's just going to be a very long and painful recovery for everyone. Is this going to be a big talking point tomorrow with with the the Biden town hall, or do you guys anticipate talking uh, more about something more specific to the lacrosse area? Well, it's going to be about rural economic development and Joe Biden's plan to revitalize rural America. But obviously, we're going to be talking about the global pandemic right now and our response to it. And the fact that here we are, uh, five months now uh, after the virus found its way on our shore, and we still lack a national strategic plan or vision of how we can work with states and local governments in a true partnership, which is lacking right now. And I tell you, Rick, that's what I hear most of all from people, is they want a strong partnership at the federal, state, and local level. And for whatever reason, President Trump is taking himself off the field, and he's just throwing it all back into state and local communities' laps, and even individual business now, to make it up on their own, to try to figure this out on their own. And that's not going to address the comprehensive testing that we still need, the comprehensive tracing we need, uh, the personal protection equipment shortages that are still out there, uh, and also the need to develop a safe vaccine and then a global distribution network in order to inoculate people. And that lack of vision is really holding us back right now. And Joe Biden's going to be talking about his COVID plan and how the federal government would act as a true partner uh, with truth and the best medical and scientific guidance as his guide rather than uh, political spin and putting his ego in the middle of everything, which is exactly not the type of leadership we need right now. Yeah, it seems like we we jump around from, uh, you know, like the, 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 the Trump used the Defense Act to open up meat packing, meat processing plants, but we don't use the Defense Act to, you know, create supply, to create this, you know, supply chain to uh, to get our workers. Why? Like, what's the what's the reasoning behind that? Well, again, under the HEROES Act, we require that the Trump administration come up with a national strategy to get us through the COVID crisis by developing a testing, tracing, treatment plan, working with state and local governments, something that we still lack today. And therefore, it's a free-for-all. We've got 50 governors trying to outbid each other with crucial supplies driving the price up when their budgets are collapsing now. This is no way to deal with a... Uh, pandemic on our shores when we all need to be in this together and leveraging the purchasing power of the federal government and also collecting all the data from all 50 states so we know where there are shortages, where we know there are flare-ups, and what role the federal government can provide help to the states and local governments uh, to respond to all of this. And it's amazing to me that President Trump is just punting. And I think he's doing it because he doesn't want to take any type of responsibility But, boy, it's patently unfair to the states and to local officials who have been collaborating, who have been working together, trying to figure this out. And all they want right now, they tell me, is just a strong federal partner that they can work with to address some of the shortfalls and and the lack of equipment that they need. We're talking with U.S. Congressman Ron Kahn, who represents the 3rd Congressional District, including La Crosse. Um, How did the Joe Biden town hall that's going to happen? It's going to happen tomorrow at 10 a.m., and anyone can... And, and go log on and, and listen. How did that come about? Did Joe call you and be like, hey, Ron, we got we to gotta do this? Or do you call him? How does that work? No, you know, I obviously have been in touch with the campaign, and he's trying to figure out ways of how we can reach out and 
get feedback from people here in Wisconsin and engage them. And so, uh, you know, we had talked a few weeks ago about setting up a virtual town hall, which he was excited to do. And he'll do a later one, too, in the eastern part of the state. But he's been doing quite a few of these, uh, as he should. And it's a way for him to stay connected without having to be there in person and encourage large crowds gathering, which obviously we're trying to uh, avoid right now. So it's an opportunity for him to get feedback, but also for him to lay out his vision of how we can revitalize rural Wisconsin, how we can get through this pandemic and and have a vision for making America stronger and rebuild this country again, which is what we need to be thinking and talking about right now rather than waiting much later. Now, some of the stuff in the HEROES Act, uh, your opponent come November, Derek Van, Van, Van Orden, I call him Hollywood because he was in the movie Act of Valor, uh, so I call him Hollywood Van Orden, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, so he, he, he put out a press release today that said the left-wing wish list Heroes Act was ramrodded through by Nancy Pelosi and Ron Kine May 15th, showing once again how out of touch Kind is with the 3rd Congressional District. I, you know, like some of this stuff, I, I don't know. Does when you, when you see a, a, it was a press release. So when you see a press release like this, and I've seen it with, from other Republicans, kind of similar. Uh, you know, like what's your response to you know ramrodded with Nancy Pelosi? Like she's the House Leader. Like why wouldn't you guys agree on some of this stuff? Well, this is just classic partisan talking points that they send out to everyone. And and by the way, there are other opponents of mine too. So you may not be the one I ultimately face uh, in the fall, but. Listen, what we worked on in the HEROES Act was in direct response to the need we heard from state and local governments and even the private sector by listening to them and what assistance they need further uh, help with. And most of these measures were bipartisan in the past, uh, amplifying what we've passed in two previous uh, uh, bills that came out of Washington with wide bipartisan support. But for whatever reason, my Republican colleagues just want to hit the brakes on everything. They just want to stop and freeze and I think that'd be a huge mistake right now when there's so much damage being done to our economy, when there's still so many shortfalls in the healthcare system where our healthcare providers are screaming for help, help and guidance on how to keep people safe. And yet, for whatever reason, they just want to freeze and do nothing, which was a huge mistake during the height of the Great Depression when uh, there was no response at the federal or state level to help with the economic crisis. And because of it, it was much more prolonged than it needed to be, and there was much more pain and suffering that came from it. And quite frankly, it's contrary to what the, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, uh, Chairman Powell, says, where Congress is going to need to continue to provide some short-term economic help in order to minimize the economic damage so we are stronger as we emerge from this. But uh, apparently many of my colleagues are hearing something completely different and refusing to take any action right now. When we see state and local government budgets completely collapsing, and this will jeopardize basic uh, services and first responder services uh, if we allow that to continue. I got a I got a text here that that asks, you know, these this is the third right the, the Heroes Act's the third bill that's that's right. kind of going, and it hasn't been passed yet, but it's it would be the third. No. and we're we're in the trillions, right? Five six trillion is that where we're at about? We're about three trillion. Right okay. Now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The text yeah. says six trillion. So all right, we're at three trillion, texter. And um, uh, you know, the, the he asked Rick, please ask him, how are we going to pay for this? And and before you you can answer that however you want, but I feel like uh, you know, like we never ask this question with with other things that that we do. You know, whether you know when it comes to our overseas adventures with the military or just our military budget in general. 
Um, so I don't know. Like, is there is there a plan to? It, what do you say when someone asks you how do we pay for this? Well, first of all, it is a legitimate concern, and we all need to be us policymakers need to be thinking about what the long term strategy is to get our fiscal health put back in order. And that's why I've been such a fiscal conservative, especially Rick, when the sun is shining. Over the last few years, I've been opposing spending, increasing in spending, tax cuts that weren't paid for, that weren't fully offset in the budget. And that's how you get to balance budgets again, is by practicing pay-as-you-go budgeting rules. That is, if you're offering a tax cut or a spending increase, you've got to find an offset in the budget to pay for it to keep balance. And then with the economy growing, you can ultimately reach surpluses then where you're paying down the national debt. Unfortunately, not many of my colleagues were following my example in recent years. In fact, they recently passed a $2.4 trillion tax cut where 83% of it went to multinational corporations and the wealthiest 1%. None of that was paid for. None of it was offset. That's almost the total amount of spending that we've passed in Congress in response to the COVID crisis right now. And yet no one was worried about how we were going to pay for a $2.4 trillion tax cut uh, back then. I was, and I was raising the alarm. And that's when the economy was growing, and it was still relatively healthy. That's the time when you have to address budget shortfalls, not when the roof is caving in and people are dying at your doorstep and they need help uh, in order to overcome a global pandemic. But I've been a part of a bipartisan group having discussions already about what a longer-term fiscal plan would look like as we emerge from this so we don't leave a legacy of debt to our children and grandchildren, which I think would be very unfair. All right. U.S. Congressman Ron Kind, representing La Crosse District, uh, third congressional district. Thanks. Thanks for joining me. I still say two grand checks to everybody throughout the pandemic. It would be the best idea. But. <laughs> All right. It's noted, Rick. I appreciate your feedback. All right. Thanks for the, thanks for joining us. You bet. Thanks. All right. We're going to we're going to break now for Scott's comment. The news after this right here. I was a. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914, the Sugarloaf Ford Talk and Text Line. If you want to get in here, 608-785-7914. I was going to do this Gas Buddy interview, but I am going to hold it off till tomorrow. I feel like <laughs> having Kind on and and people want to sound off a little bit on on Ron Kind's comments and and just, I mean, they're, they're, he's also having a... You know, not a town hall, but a roundtable discussion tomorrow with Joe Biden. So if anyone wants to comment on the expectations there. But Joe, Joe's uh, been waiting on hold. Thanks for waiting, Joe. You're on Lacrosse Talk Beyond. Go ahead, man. Hey, I don't I don't think the stimulus money going out to individuals is a bad idea. I mean, that was our money to begin with that we have given to the, the government. I mean, we, we deserve it back. I think the problem is with this Ron Kind and the Democrats Hero Act or whatever this third project is. Heroes Act, yep. And it, yeah, I think it's more of a giveaway to governors who blew their whole budget on trying to replace the placards on bathrooms so that transgenders can, you know, use the bathroom. And I'm not willing to pay for that. So give me back a little bit of the money that I'm getting you guys that you're not spending on stuff that I want you to spend on anyway, and I'm fine with that. But I'm not going to bail out these Democrat governors who blew their whole budget on on uh, hiding illegal immigrants with criminal backgrounds and trying to ensure that uh, the point zero zero one percent of the population can use whatever bathroom they want? It's a waste of money. Uh, so, what about Republican governors? Are you okay giving them money? 
Republican government. I'm, I'm okay with giving governors money who haven't blew their whole budget on, you know, the most ridiculous progressive acts that bring our country so, to no better off than what we were before. But so you, you're saying giving it to the people? I say we give it to the people, the individual people who actually pay the money in and who expected our roads to be fixed and things like that. That never gets done. It's only this bullcrap progressiveness that they run the they run their states into the ground and then look for any opportunity to take my tax money to fix it. Well, I would say that you know, giving the states money, I mean, part of that would be to go to stuff like fixing the roads or um, you yeah, know, but I like want to see paying budget. teachers I want to or. See how much did you spend on progressive issues that have no point in furthering our country in a, in a positive way versus did you, you know, spend your money on, on, on pensions and people who have built this country from day one? I mean, if you want to spend your money on that, great, but I'm not going to put it towards all these governors that wasted their budgets on progressive issues. No. I've argued with, I think, Keith Knutson from Viterbo, the political scientist, about this, you know, the idea that we have all these, this is the third bill. It hasn't gone through yet, and I don't think it will in, in this form in the Senate. This is the third bill, but, like, why can't we just run these things individually? Like, hey, $2,000 for every citizen in the United States uh, that meets certain requirements, boom. And then, and then we don't have to worry about anybody that's off work. Because they because their business is closed because they're all getting two grand. I think I think most people could could live on two grand. You know, obviously people are going to have house payments and, and and mortgages and rent to pay for. So you know, then you kind of go, well, is there a way to work a rent freeze, a mortgage freeze? Is there is there a way to work stuff like that into into this where you know, like you're taking you're taking stuff off people's backs. And businesses backs right, like businesses got mortgages and, and rents to pay for, and we've already seen that. In the, you know, locally, like we've we've rolled back, I think, liquor license prices. Uh, you know, that's just one one area, and then uh, you know, so I don't know. It just seems like you know we could start there. We start with the little guy, two grand a month, and then kind of work up, right? Well, I think that's the problem with the people in position that are making the rules. They don't start with the little guy. They start with okay, let's start with my pocket. And then we'll work outwards, you know, $2,000 doesn't mean anything to them. It's how can I keep the people that are donating millions and millions to me for my next campaign, how can I keep them happy? It has nothing to do with you or I and our rent. Yeah. Um, all right. Thanks for the call, Joe. Yep. All right. We're going to go back to the phones. Dan's been waiting on hold as well. Dan, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, good afternoon, Rick. Um couple of takeaways from what uh, Congressman Kine said. I, I'm curious what district he represents that they're dying on the doorstep because uh, how many deaths we got from the coronavirus in La Crosse County? Do you, I think it's zero. Yeah, I think we're a country, though. So, I mean, if, if we're going to yeah, look out for one another. But let's not exaggerate. They may be dying on the doorstep in New York. And uh, there's certain hot spots. But to say, have the congressman from Wisconsin, from this part of the state, say they're dying on the doorstep, might be considered an exaggeration. Well, he's not. I don't and, think he's specifically talking. And there's a hot spot in St. Cloud, Minnesota right now. So, you know, like you say, New York. I, I understand. Saint, that's great. St. Cloud's but not all that different. to say they're dying on the doorstep is a little much. Well, that's a pretty, that's a generalized. I don't think he's dying. That he said we're dying on lacrosse's doorstep or gunderson's doorstep or you know however you want to put that but go ahead but at, at any rate and then i also wanted to find out um the the other 
another takeaway I, I get from that is this town hall meeting. I thought I heard him say uh, that Joe Biden didn't reach out to him in a sense that he reached out to Joe Biden. And this is basically a uh, political campaign thing and not necessarily uh, the priority isn't to help the local farmers or the rural residents of Wisconsin, but more of a little campaign push for Sleepy Joe in the basement so they can get a look at him or hear his voice. So you're disappointed uh, that Ron Kind reached out to Joe Biden's campaign to talk about issues on the cross? Uh, no, I'm not disappointed about that, but let's say what, let's call it what it is. It's a campaign ploy. Okay, but it's so to get, Joe... it's to get Ron, or excuse me, to get to get Joe Biden and even Ron Kind a little little campaign. Uh, okay, talk so to to get on the air. And the, the other thing I want to know is Ron Kind's been in Congress what over two decades now. Yeah, I would consider him a leader in Congress, uh, but you never hear Ron Kind making comments and leading in Congress. He's famous for sitting on the fence and waiting and criticizing everybody else. The Republicans this. We've got this plan. Well, the reality is, Ron, you're supposed to be a leader. You're, you're a senior congressman. Where are your ideas? Why do you always wait for somebody else and then jump on the, the bandwagon? Well, I would say, getting back to your 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 comments, that this is a political any so anytime any politician wants to talk about issues in a specific manner to any you know community is going to be political because there's an election coming up. So um, it's lose lose if you're going to take it like that. But the the idea that Ron's kind of sitting on the fence, I would say he 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 I think he prides himself on sitting on the fence because he he. <laughs> He, uh, well, you're, he, his, his idea of sitting on the fence is to be as bipartisan as he possibly can, but he's still going to rip Republicans where he wants to rip Republicans. I mean, he can disagree with Republicans. Then how is that issues. bipartisan? If you're being bipartisan, on the one hand, just like you said to me, you don't think it's good that he reaches out. How can you say he's bipartisan when he, he just said every time he can get a shot at a Republican— He's probably going to do it. Well, I didn't say How it like that. that? Being bipartisan? I said any place where he disagrees with Republicans, he's going to call them out. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. I think Republicans do that as well. But thanks for the call, Dan. I got to I got to get these other calls. Uh, appreciate it. Um, uh, Eric from Sparta is calling in. Eric, you're on. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Before I get to get political, I got to tell you something. That I did uh, a couple weeks ago. I was uh, advertising on TV for Clean Zone uh, Mass. It's an order under us. Uh, Three dollars after all the shipping and taxes, it was a thirty-four, thirty-five bucks for ten masks. I thought, okay. So I got them in the mail today, and guess where they're made? Uh, anyway, uh, um, Leslie, you and Ron Kind is like two li- two liberals in a pod. What the hell has Ron Kind done ever, ever done for Western Wisconsin other than say I gave fifty thousand dollars back to the government? That's for fiscally responsible. He hasn't done jack what? You know what I mean? Thanks. Uh, the idea that Ron Kind is a liberal is pretty funny. I mean, we've Ron Kind's come on here and and we've argued, not argued like fisticuff argue, but we've argued about the Affordable Care Act versus a Medicare for all. It's something that uh, I dis- I disagree with him with. Uh, he doesn't believe in something like Medicare for all. And I think at this point, man, we really could use Medicare for all. Uh, it's it's kind of exploiting uh, our, our needs as a society to not have to worry about having to go to the hospital if we could just go. Uh, I think Mark, is this Mark? 
Yeah, how you doing, Rick? Hey, Mark. Yeah, you're on the air. Go ahead, man. Yeah, I just wanted uh, all these numbers that I'm hearing as far as for absentee voting. All of us that voted at City Hall here in La Crosse, we all voted absentee because that's the way that they had it set up. We went in. The only difference that uh, I had as far as for going to my normal polling place was I got to keep the pen. But I walked in. I had to, you know, follow the dots and I uh, went through the same process, but that was considered an absentee ballot. So those numbers are skewed because I didn't mail it in. I dropped it in the box, and they just con- it was in an envelope, obviously. But yeah, but they you- told us right there that that's considered absentee. So that those numbers are skewed. That makes sense. Uh, but you you voted early. Essentially, you went to City Hall when when uh, it wouldn't have been as crowded as uh, April seventh, so to speak, right? Yeah, and at that time they didn't know what they were still going to do with April 7th, so I wanted to make sure that I got my vote in, and I just did it out of simplicity where it was easy enough, and but it was just a normal, I had to show her my ID, and it was a normal polling experience, but to say that that's part of an absentee ballot, that's just not right, because yeah. I stood in line like, any, any place else that I would have voted. So Did you stand in line? Were there people done in the state? Were there people there in line waiting to vote absentee at City Hall on a day that wasn't April seventh, a day before you know, a couple, whatever day before that? Yeah, because I'm I'm not sure on the date. It was sometime in March. Uh, yeah, there was a cop at the door. He held the door and told you which way to go, and then uh, you know it was very simple. But yeah, it was right around lunchtime, and there was probably. Oh, 10, 12 of us. And then as I was leaving, there was another half a dozen coming in. So. Oh, really? There was probably more people there than would have been at a, at a polling place, you know, depending on the time of day you, you'd have gone. I mean, I went at like f- 3, 4 o'clock April 7th down to uh, UWL, and, you know, there was probably 10 people there at, at one time. So, kind of funny. Yeah, a friend of mine, but, that, a friend of mine that voted UWL, he said that it was in and out. There was nobody... In mind, I'm not sure what time that he. Oh, he went at lunchtime too. It all depends upon when you hit. Yeah, but and I understand. Voting, I understand what you're saying so with low in the April election or the you know the spring elections. Just to have that number floating out there about the absentee, that it's just really misleading. When a lot of us did the the normal process, they just consider it an absentee. Yeah, I would. I, I understand what you're saying. You voted early, but you didn't right. mail. You didn't mail your vote. But I, I would also say that that might skew the percentage of absentee ballots that actually got counted too. If you just went mail vote, mail ballots versus absentee ballots in person, uh, you know those those percentages would probably be change quite a bit too in in, in the amount of votes that actually got counted. So, all right, uh, th- that's true. That's true. Thanks for your call, Mark. Great show. Great show yesterday. I appreciate that. Uh, it was very informative. If you can that guy on again, that'd be great. All right. Yeah, no problem. Uh, it was like yesterday. What did I? I can't even remember what I did yesterday. But uh, um, all right. So I got one more call, and then we're going to go to break. But uh, is this? Is this? Caller, who's this? You're on the air. Hi, this is Brenda. Hey, Brenda. I'm glad I didn't say what I what I'm reading on my screen. But go ahead, Brenda. You, you're uh, you're on. Okay, I have a couple of things. My husband just went to Equity with a load of cattle which he's bringing back home because nobody's buying them because they're backlogged at the uh, processing plants. And part of the problem, not just that there's COVID, is that we're paying people more to not work 
than to actually work. And I think that's going to be a a, uh, a very bad thing in, in the coming few months here. Um, my granddaughter works at one of the big businesses in town. Mm-hmm. She had a hard time finding somebody to take her place so she could go to college and pick up her stuff because they didn't want to make too much money so they couldn't get the extra unemployment. Uh, the other thing I'd like to bring up yeah, it's almost like that, it's almost like those big businesses should pay people more so that people are, uh, you know, willing to come back to work. Well, I guess it depends on how much you're making and how much sacrifice and how much you have to put into your business. Um, I'd hate to be running a, a humongous business and and thinking that I put all my time and energy and risked my family's future, my home, everything else that I have to try to get other jobs for other people. Um, and, and I don't think that making a bigger wage for somebody is gonna gonna help any of that. Yeah, I'm sure that's what they're worried about trying to uh, get jobs for other people. I gotta go. I gotta take a break. Thanks for the call, Brenda. Um, all right, we'll we'll be back after this on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. I'm just gonna wrap up here. I had some texts I wanted to get to uh, get into talking to everybody and and forget that there are texts out there. Uh, Bill texted in, in in reference to our conversation with Lacrosse Congress, uh, U.S. Congressman Laron Kind, uh, asking him about the you know sending two grand, two thousand dollar checks to everybody. Seems like a simple way to uh, to give people enough money to not have to worry about a, a coronavirus or going out in a pandemic or having to 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 get other work or work at these you know at these places essential essential working conditions and, and, and risking yourselves. But, uh, Bill said, I like how Ron sidestepped that $2,000 a month question. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I kind of, he kind of did, didn't he? Um, uh, I, I, I hit him with it right at the end. He just kind of laughed and he said, he'll, he'll take it into consideration. Uh, so the next pandemic, maybe we'll get that. Uh, Fred said, uh, in, in reference to the kind, we'll see if we can get through this text has used free market capitalism and naive legislators like kind, to put us in very vulnerable positions as we literally fund their military buildup and purchase of vital U.S. businesses. So that's Fred's text. Uh, Mark said, come up to the Omni Center this winter and we'll get you into hockey uh, in reference to my uh, not wanting to play volleyball at this point because nothing's changed. But by winter, Mark, maybe. By winter, maybe we'll we'll be a little bit closer to having some answers with this virus. Uh, we don't have any answers at this point. We we just have to wait and see and hope we don't go to the hospital, right? Like, that's what I'm hoping. I don't want to go to the hospital and get this virus. Uh, Phil texted in, why doesn't Ron's, why doesn't Ron sound the alarm and, and list which organizations in the 3rd District need supplies? What are the needs? Um, we did we did not the 3rd District, but a couple, what was this? Was this last week? Uh, two weeks ago, May 8th, um, City of La Crosse sent out $350,000, to 59 businesses that requested money. So there's, there's a list. So I'm sure, I'm sure he's got a list somewhere. There's, you know, that PPE funding, uh, went out to businesses. So, um, I wouldn't say that there's not a list. Gary, Gary texted in, in, in reference to Joe's comments about, uh, the idea that we're wasting, uh, Wisconsin government funds on, on stuff instead of fixing the roads. Gary, Gary texted and asked Joe how many roads uh, former Governor Scott Walker fixed. And I, I don't know the answer to that, but it seems like that 
you know, the roads <laughs> haven't been fixed in a while. So Evers is just taking this over, right? Like, so we'll, we'll see. But I think Mayor Tim Cabot has, has put a big emphasis on fixing the roads. I think he's heard all the all the comments from everybody and and is trying to to solve that issue. So, all right, that's going to do it for the show. Uh, got a short show tomorrow because NASCAR is back. They're racing in NASCAR. I don't see why you couldn't race in NASCAR. I can't. I'm not sure if they're having crowds, though. I don't think they're having crowds, but they're definitely having NASCAR races. Either way, that's going to do it for the show today. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on Wisdom.